fear the talking queers. Now that we're all here, the party can begin. Happy Hanukkah, bitch! Oh, thank you, Buzz Buzz bitch. How are you? <laughs> Good. How are you? <laughs> Good. <laughs> you know what I just realized, though, after I said that? What? By the time this episode comes out, Hanukkah is long gone. <laughs> it's long gone. Well, I, to all of our Hanukkah celebrating listeners, I hope it was awesome and fun. Yeah. And to everyone who celebrates Christmas, it's going to be next week. Woo! I know. That means you've probably been waiting a long time for this episode. <laughs> yeah, we took a two-week break. We ended up changing our full December schedule. You know, we just need more time. I know. No, yeah, we, we just need a little uh, we need a little break, I think. You know, the holiday season, it's a busy time, and we need to dedicate it to um, work, family, and ourselves. Yes. And also, um, Kwanzaa's coming up. The new year is around the corner. Like, Time is I hope we have brought lots of uh, fun and laughter into your life this year so far. But, you know, we got to have yeah. a little fun and laughter of our own, too. So we're taking a little bit of a, a step back. Yeah, yeah. Just a little break. Yeah. yeah. You'll be still be getting Fear the Talking Queers. I'm sure you'll still get Fear the Talking Queers all year long next year with our new season, season four coming out at the end of January. Ooh, yeah. Also, there's so many new things coming out that we've been so excited about. Um, one of them has been the show on Showtime, Yellow Jackets. Yes, I know. I don't feel like this show has gotten much like popular praise. Like, I don't see anybody posting about it or anything, but like, it's actually very entertaining, very good, and it is a hundred percent certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. One hundred percent. I said what I said. Wow, uh, that's so good. It, it definitely deserves the praise. I mean, it has an all-star cast. Christina Ricci is in it. Juliette Lewis is in it. Yes, I loved. We, you know, if you listen to our Ma episode, you know how much we we love Juliette Lewis. I love Juliet. She's so natural. She's perfect in every role. Um, I love her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I love her. Um, and yeah, just uh, a really interesting story. Um, like, I'm really excited to see where this mystery goes. Like, I don't, we're not going to give away spoilers in this, but I mean, no. um, it's like a group of uh, high school soccer players um, in the 90s. They get in some sort of plane crash in the woods. And the mystery unravels about what happened out there as they uh, spent 19 months surviving in the wilderness. But it kind of like goes back and forth between the 90s and then present day of like what some of the survivors are, are dealing with. And it's actually really interesting because you're excited to see what's happened because it's still kind of a mystery. They do kind of yeah. give away what's been going on in the woods, but yeah. so far three episodes in, we still don't know exactly. And we also don't know how many people are actually still yeah. living or still survived or who are actually yeah. dead. I mean, have, have they just not been introduced to us as adults yet? Have they, are they, you know, are they food? I don't know. 
You know, it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> are they it's food to... for wolves? Are they food for each other? Like, it's hard to figure it out. There are definitely horror elements. There are drama elements. Yeah, there are comedy elements. Yeah, so it, it, it's like it's survival a horror. Watch. Yeah, survival horror. I think would probably be like the the horror element of it for sure. Yes, it almost yeah. it almost feels a little bit like Lord of the Flies. It, like, yeah. but like with girls, like but with girls, and it's the nineties. Um, I love the <laughs> 90s flashbacks. I think they're yeah. perfect. Um, and we got to, we get to see a little bit of um, Jasmine Savoy Brown playing young Thaisa. Oh, yeah. Who, um, she's going to be in Scream 5 in January. So I'm glad yes. that we're getting to know her a little bit before we dive into that. And I think she's doing a great job in Yellow Jackets. She's yeah. sort of like the stern the, the, leader. The kind of alpha, alpha yeah. bitch. Um, she's yes. like the girl with the, all the ideas, but she kind of, uh, she's kind of cold, you know, she's like the cold one, cold and calculated. Yes. Cold and calculated. I mean, she breaks a girl's leg for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, and that's not even in the woods. <laughs> right. And, and nor is it a spoiler. It's just something that she does. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. So if you can go check out, check out yellow jackets, like. I think it's I'm really excited to see where this goes and I think it deserves yes. a lot of praise like I mean I do say like sometimes the writing is not my favorite but it's a small price to with pay with any TV show of yeah. course small price to pay for a really fun mystery that I'm like definitely invested in um, but you know the, you know there's no nothing is perfect but I mean I think it's uh, I think it's really fun and exciting and I, I, I'm really excited to tune in every week tune in just for the horror royalty like of it all Juliette Lewis Christina Ricci Jasmine Savoy Brown and um, the girl that plays young Juliette Lewis she was young Reagan in the Exorcist TV series Oh, was she? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Oh, that's a good... Okay. That's cute. That's a cute one. And there's a random girl who, to me, looks like Monica Kina from Freddy vs. Jason. Oh, my God. So she's, she she's like horror royalty by just appearance. <laughs> I, I want to find out that she's still alive and it is Monica Kina. Oh, my like, God. I know. Like, <laughs> where have you been, girl, since she shows 2003? Up. She, what if she shows up in the season finale and she's like... Place your bits. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. She's like... Freddie died by fire. Jason died by water. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, this girl died by plane crash. This girl died by being eaten. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How do I use that? <laughs> I think that she's the perfect casting choice for that. Looks wise. And her acting is great too. Um, but every time I see her, I'm like, she's totally the cool girl. The cool girl. The the girl who everybody loves. She's like the girl next door. That's the word. Yes. And she's the the captain, but not because she's the best player on the team, but because she's the most influential. So, of course, like, I identify with that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> not particularly skilled, but cool enough to lead the pack. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the, yeah, that is you. <laughs> <laughs> I identify with Christina Ricci's absolutely batshit character, <laughs> Missy. Is her Missy? <laughs> Misty. Misty or Missy? Misty. Yeah, Misty. Yeah. And Christina Ricci is giving some over-the-top, campy-ass performance in this show. She does feel a little bit like she's in a different show than the rest of them, but it's just kind of how her character is written, I think. 
I do almost feel like there are people like this out there in the world, though. I mean, that is true. I mean, <laughs> she, she probably... And she's a sneaky bitch. Yeah, exactly. She's like the the girl who was never on the team, but she was like always there. She's like the water girl or whatever her assistant <laughs> coach or something. I don't know what she does. She's a mascot. <laughs> I don't know, she? but she is. she has a lot of like crazy obsessive things. Christina Ritchie looks exactly the same. She has not aged. And sometimes when she's in scenes with Juliette Lewis, I'm like, there are no way these two bitches are the same age. That's what Andre said. Andre's like, um, are they the same age in real life? And then I was thinking, I, I didn't look it up, but I was considering like Juliette Lewis was like a teenager in the 80s and Christina Ritchie was like a teenager in the 90s. So I'm like, there's yeah. at least 10 to 12 years in between them. Definitely. So yeah. Because <laughs> like, what is it? Christmas Vacation. She was a teenager in like the 80s. Right. And then, like, Christina Ricci was, like, a child. A in, kid in the early 90s. Wednesday Adams, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no way you graduated from high school the same year. And maybe, do you know what, Miss Juliette Lewis, she's aging gracefully. No, exactly. She's aging gracefully, and honestly, she looks good for her age. Oh, hell yeah. Well, uh, yeah, if you have a chance, please go check out Yellow Jackets. It's exciting. It's thrilling. It's a, a mystery. And uh, there's some queer representation in it. We love... Love to see it. Um, How many episodes are there this season? Seven. Seven. So we're like halfway through. So we'll catch up with you guys again once the season finale airs. Yes. So get on it. Get Showtime and watch Yellow Jackets. Speaking of survival horror, I think that brings us to our film this week. It does. What are we doing? We are doing the extra chilly, extra cold uh, 30 Days of Night. I really can't stay. Baby, I'm gonna die outside. The vampires are here. To suck my blood. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. This movie, every time I watch it, like, no matter how warm it is in my room, I need a blanket. It is the coldest movie I think I've ever watched. <laughs> Jake is so dramatic about this movie being so cold <laughs> that he texted me saying that he started it but had to take a break because he got cold. Yeah, because <laughs> I got frostbite. <laughs> oh my god, I know. My nipples were hard throughout the whole movie. Oh my god. Like, ding, ding, and yes. never stopped. Little icicles under your shirt. Treats for Santa. Vanessa <laughs> <laughs> Williams. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very obscure Drag Race <laughs> reference. If you don't get it, then... Um, then you're not a Drag Race fan. Yeah, then you're no ja- Drag <laughs> Race fan. <laughs> Goodies for Santa. Shake your boobs. Yeah. Goodies for Santa. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, this movie is definitely cold, definitely violent, and definitely has a lot of good vampire action. So why don't we get into it? Yes, let's go to the snow. Yes, let's go to let the snow fall down on 30 days of night.
Thirty Days of Night, released in 2007, based on the graphic novel by Steve Niles and Ben Templesmith. Written by Steve Niles, Stuart Beatty, and Brian Nelson. Directed by Brian Slade. I will say that's a lot of writers for a, a movie with like barely any script. <laughs> <laughs> Our film begins in Barrow, Alaska, a small town in the Arctic Circle that is preparing for its annual 30 Days of Night, a period during the winter when the sun will not be seen. People who don't want to suffer the extended darkness leave for the city of Fairbanks or other parts south. As the town gets ready for the last day of sun, the stranger, played by Ben Foster, rows ashore from a large ship, then trudges through the seemingly endless snow towards Barrow. Barrow's sheriff, Eben Olson, played by Josh Hartnett, investigates a seemingly random crime with his partner, Billy, played by Manu Bennett. Ooh, Manu. Fuck, he is so hot. I mean, he, he is very hot. He's like, he's kind of more incognito in this one because he has a lot of, you know, a big hat on. He has that long hair. But underneath all that, that's a man, mama. Well, a man with a big swinging dick. <laughs> <laughs> yes, if you've ever seen Spartacus. Sporadicus. <laughs> They're investigating a pile of destroyed satellite phones. As they return to town, Billy changes the population number of the town from 563 to 152. There's like nobody here. Yeah. Hello? Hello? (laughs) What's that grinder like? (laughs) (laughs) Billy, hopefully. You want to fuck for 30 days and 30 nights? I love that Josh Hartnett movie. Oh, wait, that's 40 days and 40 nights. For 40 days, 40 nights, 30 days a night. Like, come on. <laughs> Halloween 20 years later. <laughs> 20, 30, 40. He's ridiculous. <laughs> Evan's estranged wife, Stella, played by Melissa George, who moved out of town, attempts to finish up her fire marshal duties before trying to make it out of town before the last flight leaves. Meanwhile, the stranger makes his way to the dog kennel, slaughtering all of the sled dogs. Evan continues his duties, citing snowplow driver Bo for his vehicle leaking oil. Who plays him? I didn't write that. Whatever. Played the, by... The Abdominable Snowman. The Abdominal I'm still thinking about my new penance. Not the abominable snowman, the abdominal snowman. I hope everybody heard that. (laughs) I'm going to cut it out. No, you better not. Because that was so dumb, it needs to be heard. (laughs) The abdominal snowman. Abominable. Oh my God. (laughs) Bo played by Mark Boone Jr., by the way. (laughs) Great. As Stella attempts to make her flight, her car is T-boned by a man named Malachi in his giant rig, delaying her. Desperate, she calls Eben for a ride the rest of the way, but he passes her off to Billy. Pass me off to Billy any day. I would have rode him the whole ride there. Hell yeah. You can snowplow me, Billy. (laughs) Have you ever had Roadhead? (laughs) (laughs) Eben then investigates the dog slaughter at the kennel. He returns to the police station where his teenage brother, Jake, ah, oh my God, it's me, played by Mark Rendell and grandmother Helen, played by Elizabeth McRae, also work. 
She informs him that there has been yet another call about vandalism, this time at an industrial location called the Utilidor. Eben begins to become suspicious and concerned. Woo! All right. I have to say that the opening visuals of this feel like a graphic novel. I actually didn't know this was based on a graphic novel until I read the synopsis. So this makes total sense because the opening visuals are quite striking. Like the black and white contrast throughout the, um, throughout the movie with the hints of red blood perfection. Oh, for sure. And that is like, (laughs) this is like prime 2000s. I mean, this is the age of the graphic novel turned movie. You know, we had the 300s and the Sin Cities and the fucking yeah. Watchmen and things like that. And so we, it was a kind of a trend, I would say. And I feel like the visual style of this movie really follows that trend. That, like, it sort of looks like a comic book in some shots, but also looks like a movie, you know? So it's really stunning, yeah. too. Like, that opening scene with the stranger, like, walking through the, like, through the snow and you see that giant... Uh, ship in the back it's all very beautiful and it looks like something that somebody would have drawn you know yes and talk about seasonal depression like I I, could not stay in this town yeah I mean I I understand why it goes down from 569 or whatever to 169 or whatever you know (laughs) god (laughs) someone has something on the brain Manu Uh, Manu Um, yeah, so I get it. Like, imagine, like, I actually did read this and that it's actually not 30 days that it happens for. It happens for 62 days. Stop! 62 Where? Alaska? Days? Yes. Bitch, I, could you imagine? I mean, I love the nightlife. I love the boogie. But, like, <laughs> girl, like, 30 days of just straight darkness. Like, what do you do? You would be depressed after that. I have nightmares where I wake up in the morning or like it's like the morning hours when it should be light outside and it's pitch black outside Ooh. and it scares me it's like disorienting yes uh, like my sleep schedule will be thrown off doesn't it mess with like your internal clock and oh for sure i just can't imagine there are like things you can buy i know we um have like not we but people that live on cruise ships which i have um a lot of us like uh, on the crew don't have portholes so we don't have like a window to the outside world that to like wake us up with natural light or things like that but there are like lamps and things that illuminate slowly as if it's like the sun coming up and like it it helps uh, you know Ah. regulate your internal clock or whatever in order to wake up you know on time and like to light and uh, so I mean I guess that we've advanced in a way to sort of fight this in a way but I mean just the concept in general of 30 days of night is pretty it's pretty terrifying not terrifying but just seems like brutal to go through it depends though like if i had somebody like billy around me oh my god like i know billy oh he's so hot but this haircut once the hat comes off i was like i was like this haircut but that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying underneath it all maybe they just didn't want his um stunningly good looks to like overshadow josh or like distract from the story like he's supposed to look like an everyday guy right that lives in alaska an alaskan with a wife named peggy like come on (laughs) yeah they're like we have to ugly him down yeah we gotta like tone you down okay because no guy that looks like you would ever be married to a peggy (laughs) 
Okay. Yeah. Do we even get to see her now, right? <laughs> no, we don't ever get to see Peggy. We see, um, <laughs> like, uh, a the outline shape of her of body. Her body. <laughs> it's the shape of her body under a sheet. and But that's it. Uh, but <laughs> so then this concept of 30 days of night, I think in a way is like a brilliant tie-in to a vampire movie. I think the concept of this movie in general is just like, oh, this is perfect. Obviously, vampires thrive in the nighttime, and it's like, yes, to and like so how- they get thirty days of yeah. like feast. Oh, how is this the first time this has ever been like <laughs> conceptualized about. or thought about? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, like who? Oh, yeah, it I think so it's long? great because it adds a new dimension of like tension to the a vampire tale like it's like right not only do you you're not safe during the day because there is no day there's no yeah. daylight there's no sun there's well, no protection. i feel like that's such like a like a tropey crutch of vampire movies it's like well if we can just survive the night in the daytime we can escape or we can kill them like it's something that's used yeah. very often in order to subdue the the vampires in the movies so that takes the biggest weapon, the biggest natural weapon that we have and takes that completely out of the equation. Like, of course, chaos is going to ensue. Especially because they come out as soon as the sun goes down. Oh, they don't wait a damn second. Not just like, we just have to survive the night. It's like, no, we have to survive the next 30 days. The next month. A month. Month. That's a long time. So when the stranger kills the dogs... It's so funny that they don't even try to attempt to show the dogs being slaughtered or oh, a, uh, yeah. a dog, other than just like a paw. But yet, they literally rip people open in this movie. And we're just sitting there like, that was awesome. It's kind of dramatic, but I'm like, how as humans are we not able to accept that these dogs are being murdered? But yet, we literally watch a little girl get decapitated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but like, so the stranger, he's going around doing his thing, right? He's he's setting up for these vampires to show up. And um, there's like a really good parallel here, I think, to the OG vampire himself, which is Dracula, and where the stranger sort of serves as the Renfield. Renfield. Yeah. Yeah. He's the Renfield I was thinking in the situation. That exact same thing. Yeah. I mean, it's a very similar story if not the exact same story just a weird he even ex- gets locked up yeah it gets locked yeah. up you know his main motivation is to uh you know be become one of them you know he's one of those those uh vampire i guess groupies that is ready for that transition in their life and you know they're all and, and those characters are just always just used you know they do all the hard lifting, the heavy lifting for, for, for no payoff. But also I feel like Ben Foster does a lot of heavy lifting in this because I don't think that any of the performances in this movie are particularly stellar, no. but I do think that he gives a very fine performance as a stranger. He's oh, very yeah. creepy. I think that he sets the tone well just from the very beginning of the film and then just throughout, like his manic personality yeah. and his fast delivery of all of his lines. Yeah. He does a fantastic job. I think he's really the standout performer in this movie. Yeah. What do you think his accent is, though? I'm like sitting there like, is he like Creole? Uh, yes, because in the behind the scenes, they were saying that he sort of plays this like 
Bayou freak. And I'm like, was yeah. that what that was? Right. <laughs> that's what it sounds like. It sounds like he's like, he's from New Orleans, like Louisiana, Bayou. He has that, that accent. And I was like, how the hell did his ass get up to Alaska? Yeah. Well, I think that happens a lot. There's a lot of unanswered questions as far as like how this group came together. Especially like when we do see the little girl later on. They're like, where did this little girl come from? Has anyone ever seen her? I'm like, well, she's dressed for the spring. So That's my guess I, is that she's I know. Not I was like, why is from she Alaska? Like yeah, I know. So, <laughs> um, so we meet Eben and Stella, right? Like a romantic, beautiful leads who um, happen to be the authorities in this town. I'm like, this cop, this town has like one and a half cops in it, and um, <laughs> I'm like, that seems like a bad idea, but I guess. When it's 152 people, I guess you don't need that many authorities around. <laughs> because all, like, I mean, leaking oil, like, that's kind of, like, the one crime that he found that day. Yeah. Until things start picking up. I know. But, it's, yeah. That's, that's, like, <laughs> yeah. that's the crimes that he honestly probably expected to be dealing with here. You know, leaky oil, gotta cite you. And he even cite, he gives Bo that citation. He's like, you know, I just want him to feel like he's part of the town. I'd be like, no, fuck you. You don't just give people tickets <laughs> for that. How dare you? I know. And then, so we got Stella, right? And her situation is like, th- this sucks big time for her. Because she's like, I'm out of here. I had to, I kept this stupid place for last because my, my ex-husband lives here. And um, she's like, I'm just trying to get out of here on this last flight. And then she's driving there and then gets like in a horrific car accident. <laughs> Like, like really bad. She literally is almost chainsawed by a tractor. So forgiving of Miss Malachi. And he's like, sorry. And she's like, I'm trying to get out of here. He pretty much like, if, if she hadn't have survived, it would, would have pretty much been a death sentence to maybe anybody else. Yeah, if she had just gone a half mile faster, <laughs> yeah. she would have been dead. <laughs> she would have been yeah, but she also would have been out of there. She wouldn't have had to ever worry about any of this shit. But him running into her, like, yeah. l- literally, um, like, almost killed her. Not because of the crash, but because now she's stranded here in this fucking place for 30 days. They do a lot of foreshadowing, like the leaking oil, yeah. the tractor, the, you know, it just, these are all plot devices that are used later in the story. Right. But... I just kind of felt like, okay, out of all this wide open area, these two cars hit each other. Seriously. I don't know. Yeah, this this giant tractor with all these chainsaws on it. Like, I mean, obviously it's going to come back later, but it's like, she could have just like, I don't know, popped a tire or something. Or like the snow is just too much. Yeah. She can't make it through. Yeah, exactly. Anything would have been more you know (laughs) i get it i was like it was like whoa that's crazy but honestly (laughs) like the reaction afterwards is so like oh man i'm gonna miss my flight not like oh my god you almost just chainsawed me in half with this tractor (laughs) she's like desperate like to get there right and she's like who do i call how would i call my ex-husband and then she tries she does try to manipulate him a little bit which i think is funny and he like doesn't fall for it and she's like on if you we can talk finally about this whatever and he's like yeah no i'm not doing that i was like she's kind of manipulative miss stella also 
Melissa George. I mean, every time I see her, I just think of the Amityville Horror remake because oh I'm my like, God. jealous of her that she gets to not just be a romantic lead for Josh Hartnett, but also Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Shirtless Ryan Reynolds. She, yeah, she is definitely part of that 2000s group of whatever white women, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right. And so then we get, uh, again, we do have a lot of setup here. Like you said, we meet uh, these tractors and we also meet uh, the Muffin Monster. <laughs> What's that? The, the, the Muffin Monster. <laughs> you don't know the, Did you watch this movie? That's what they call that. That thing that spins? That thing, yeah. The, like, oh, I missed that. Damn, see, this is what happens when you don't watch movies with subtitles. You know, we haven't even gotten to the Muffin Monster yet, so you probably you probably weren't even refreshed on what it was, but it's in the setup. Oh, there it is. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> coming up next. So, uh, should we just get to it? Yeah. Stella arrives at the airport to find that she's missed the flight and will be stranded in Barrow for a month. Billy offers to put her up with his family. Eben investigates the Utilidor, where he meets the man who runs it, Carter, and a local helicopter pilot named Wilson, whose helicopter was vandalized and parts thrown into the machine called the Muffin Monster, an incredibly powerful waste destroyer. Meanwhile, a man named Gus is surrounded and attacked by a mysterious group of people, one of whom slashes his throat and begins to drink his blood. In the local diner, the stranger sits and attempts to order raw meat from the waitress. Eben confronts him and tries to apprehend him. However, the stranger shows resistance. Stella appears behind the stranger, pointing a gun at his head, causing him to stand down and be taken to the station house. At the local pipeline, a woman named Denise survives an attack from the mysterious assailants, killing two of her male co-workers, who were full-on trying to have a fucking threesome with this girl. I may have done it. One of them was really cute. (laughs) There we go. I know. I was like, not this dialogue. Who wrote this? (laughs) 30 days of dick. That's what that is. (laughs) From the jail cell, the stranger taunts Eben, Stella, Jake, and Helen, telling them that death is coming for them. He also claims that they will reward him for what he's done to prepare for the arrival of the vampires. Just then, vampires attack the local telecommunications center and power supply, rendering the town dark and cut off from the outside world. Eben goes to the telecommunications center and finds Gus's head on a pike. Eben drives through the town warning people to stay in their homes and to arm themselves. In another part of town, kennel owners John Reese and his wife Allie are attacked in their home when a vampire named Archibald jumps through the kitchen window. Allie is dragged under several houses, with John right behind, but he's unable to save her. At the station, the stranger attacks Jake, but is shot by Eben, who cuffs him to the jail cell and demands answers about Gus's murder. Eben and Stella decide to find Billy and patrol the streets. While in the car, they're attacked by a vampire who jumps on their car. They also hear Helen back at the station crying for help over the walkie-talkie. They return to the blood-stained police station where the strangers devastated that they did not recruit him into their ranks and instead left him cuffed to the cell. Helen and Jake are nowhere to be found. Ooh, okay. The action is picking up. Yeah, it's like we're starting to get more and more encounters with these mysterious group of uh, of people i guess we can call them right yeah they used to be at least um the vampires they used to work at a bank to be honest (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah they look like a they look professional Um, (laughs) it is kind of a fun because like we haven't really met them fully yet at this point but like when we do like you kind of learn that they're like these like 
vampires who've been around for ages and centuries, whatever is what they say. But I'm like, why are they dressed like they work at Wells Fargo? Yeah, I think the issue that I have with the vampires are, first of all, I think that the vampire design, as far as like their faces, are great. Terrifying. They're terrifying. These are probably the scariest vampires I've ever seen on screen. I think so too. They move fast, they're really strong, and they sort of, they don't seductively bite your neck and suck your blood. They sort of rip at it. Uh, like a like a zombie like what we're what we're accustomed to yes, in zombie movies absolutely yeah. like this movie is if like a zombie movie and a vampire movie did it and had a baby like that's what this is yeah totally they spent 30 days of night together and created this my one well my two issues with the vampires are exactly what you said first of all i don't like their costumes i think that they look too clean almost for the things the for how long they've been around yeah. and the atrocities that they commit right. and then like later on when we see like the girl vampire her outfit is sort of questionable like it i guess it depends on how and when they got recruited into this group right right but at the same time it's like i don't like that the main vampire marlo is that his name um yeah i don't like that he has a fade <laughs> like I like it's like the <laughs> grooming too. Like I just don't think that they. I'm like, who's cutting their hair? Where's the vampire barber shop? How do I get in? Like, yeah, it's yeah, it, it is really interesting. Yeah, that they're so clean cut. I mean, especially if he has been around for a while, and they're so feral. Like these vampires aren't the Cullens or some shit. You no. know, they're like they're like. And savaging. we have to imagine that they're going. Yeah, that they're savaging multiple towns, and that they've recruited a lot of people for this attack and. It just doesn't look like they've been through it enough. I mean, you know, I didn't even think about the hair thing, but that is true. Like, he, especially him, because he is so ancient, doesn't even speak. I mean, he kind of speaks a language we can recognize, which is English. Um, (laughs) But, like, for the most part, it's, like, this, like, garbled foreign language that was created for this movie. And so it's like, yeah, where, why is this man dressed in like a, a white button up and uh, it's just kind of strange. And his hair is so perfectly done and so perfectly groomed yeah. and uh, faded. I was like, I don't, I'm not buying the grooming or the costuming of the vampires, but I think other than that, they are absolutely terrifying. Yeah. The the design of their faces are, are terrifying. Stellar. They kind of, they kind of look a little melded with like, like a shark? Like a sh- yes. they have shark eyes. Yes, that is the perfect... I was thinking like a bird of some sort, but no, a shark is definitely yeah. what they look like. Yeah, it's like a shark... Like shark eyes with like bird talons with uh, like their teeth are really skinny and sharp. I don't know. They're really scary looking. Yeah. And uh, they like shriek like they are... I don't know. Some sort of... Dolphin. <laughs> one of them sounds like a dolphin. The girl one, yeah. Miss Iris. She Miss sounds Iris like a dolphin. Definitely is part dolphin for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, she's not very much shark. She's more dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> when they get the stranger and they apprehend him and they put him in jail, I can't help but think that American Horror Story, that Red Tide, really took a lot of inspiration from this story and this movie. I think they. Yeah, it, it does really feel like that too. It does feel. Um, that small town isolated kind of thing, which I guess is not like super <laughs> original original for this movie either. But I mean, 
Yeah, I, I definitely could see them having some sort of inspiration because... Like, I was like, is that Sarah Paulson? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, no, it's the stranger. But it could be. She's that good. <laughs> She's quite the chameleon. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. It feels a little bit like Red Tide. They probably did get inspiration from this. And we all forgot about this movie. And so they were like, it's fine. Nobody will remember that this movie already exists. <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh, I also have to say that. Um, oh no, we're not there yet. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Oh, um, and then uh, you know we have the we finally have the the reunion of Stella and Eben in a very interesting scene where they capture the stranger and Miss Stella comes up and literally puts a loaded gun up to a man's head for no reason other than he stood up and was like you know causing a little bit of a scene i was like that's a very dramatic reaction how how, how is this woman also not being put in jail i know this is what most white women do <laughs> yeah that's what i would expect from uh, a rural little town in nowhere alaska to react to strangers like this but then we start getting some really like we see how brutal these vampires are with this attack of poor old gus you know, who gets, like, decapitated, head put on a spike. It's, like, almost like a callback to the inspiration for Dracula, even, the Vlad the Impaler. Yeah. I totally got that vibe mm-hmm. off of this. But th- this first, like, attack is great. And then when we see the aftermath of Gus's head on that, on that stick, I was like, oh, my God, the special effects are so good in this movie. Oh. Oh, totally. Like, that looked... I mean, mean, real, I guess, but, like, it was also just, like, a really disturbing image and just done so well. It was like, whoa! Like, they... These vampires got no chill, and they, um... No. They're ruthless. They're merciless. They're merciless, except for Marlo. For some reason, he's... He has a lot of mercy. He has a lot of mercy killings in this, but, I mean... Yeah, they are ruthless for sure, and they will put your head on a spike. Yeah, and when I was watching the behind-the-scenes it, it, featurette of like their their you know the fake heads that they were using and stuff, they're like able to yeah. like move them around like human skin, and I was like, oh, that oh. is so crazy. That looks so good. It looks so good. Technology, man. You know who produced this movie? Which may be a reason why it's so good is Sam Raimi. Oh yeah, he was a, he was originally slated to direct it and then uh, decided to take a step back and just produce it. But I mean, you know, Sam Raimi is a he's a legend of horror, yeah. so um, it only makes sense that he he'd have high standards for the products that are under his with name. His name on of course. it. Yeah, this attack on John Reese and his wife Allie. Um, it's super yes. terrifying, like just flying oh through God. the window full speed, rolling across oh God, their dining first. room table. I was like, yeah, it's shocking. And like these poor people are so caught off guard. You know, I mean, these ones are a little more on edge because all their dogs are slaughtered. Right. But I mean, you know, she's just over here doing her dishes and then fucking he nose dives through the window into the room and then just immediately pulls her through and like they're so fast they like they're in strong and that moment when john is like chasing them and he's like 
sliding her under the the houses. <gasps> that is such a good scene. I know. That is so cool. Oh, and when he breaks John's leg. Oh my gosh. Oof. It looks terrifying. It, but again, the special effects look so good. Like anytime there was an attack in this movie, I was fully invested because it, yeah. it just looks amazing. And like you said, there isn't much to the script, but what we see is enough yeah. for me. Like they could have just shown kills throughout the whole thing. I'd been uh, totally satisfied. Of course. And, and Archibald, I think Archibald might be the most threatening of them. And I think it's funny that his name's Archibald and he's bald. <laughs> <laughs> so very on the nose guys. Ew. Uh, speaking of the stranger, I don't know if this was added or if he did this on his own, but when he's talking and that oh, it's foaming. Spit, that foam is Ooh. accumulating. It is so sexy. No. <laughs> no. That was just snow. He was just like chopping on some snow. It's disgusting. <laughs> and it's like yellowish. Ew. I gasped. Oh my god. That is so gross. But do you know what? I he, that, that was probably just committed acting. I'm sure he, he I wonder if he like deprived himself from any like liquids in order to make his mouth so dry just for the scene. One thing we usually do with vampire movies are vampire rules and I did write some of them down. Ooh, okay, yes. What do we have so far? So first I have they uh they drink blood. Okay. Classic. Okay. We're we're on the right foot here. Number two is that they speak that random language that they're I don't know where they learned it from it's obviously very old and then so three this one is interesting is that they don't need to be invited in <gasps> when Miss Archibald just swan dove through that window I don't think he got an invitation so yeah. I think it's safe to assume that these vampires don't need to be invited inside to um, attack no. or to you know to enter the dwelling Four I have is that they uh, they can catch a moving car. They're really fucking fast. They're so fast and they're so strong. Yeah, exactly. So those are a few of our vampire rules so far. We'll get to, I think, a few more as we go through. Ooh, okay. Let's move on. Move on. Move on. Oh, R.I.P. Sondheim. I have to throw that in there. <laughs> oh, yes. A great loss to the musical theater community. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, why did we laugh? I know, it is very sad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a group of citizens gather in the diner, including Jake, Denise, Carter, Wilson, as well as a man named Doug, Wilson's elderly father, Isaac, and a woman named Lucy. <laughs> Marsha, Greg, Peter, Jan, Bobby, Cindy. <laughs> Meanwhile, the vampires, led by Marlo, played by Danny Houston, Attack of the town. Marla speaks in an ancient guttural language. The other vampires shriek. Give us an example. Have you seen that meme of Ariana Grande and Kristen Chenoweth when, oh, when yeah. they two gays see, see each, other. each other and it's Yeah, it's, no, it said when uh, uh do- two dolphins communicating yeah. with each oh. other and they're like ah! Yeah, <laughs> just like scream, high pitch screaming as like dolphin noises. Yeah, it they <laughs> they are so it's so high. It's almost like it's a so dog high. whistle. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they are shot in the head, bullets are useless against these vampires, and they slaughter most of the town. 
Evan and Stella arrive at the diner, surprised to find Jake alive. Denise suggests they head to the attic of a man who left town, as it is almost impossible to find. Before they head out, Evan and Stella return to the streets in order to fill their 4x4 with bear traps and explosives. However, they are attacked by Marlo and the vampires, who flip their police car upside down. They are then rescued by Bo, who drives through the vampires with a snowplow. They decide to head for the attic, quietly making their way into the neighborhood. They arrive to find the rest of the diner crew has already arrived. Marlo finds the stranger in the jail, and taking mercy on him and thanks for his work on the vampire's behalf, kills him quickly. Marlo orders the vampires not to turn anyone into a vampire. They will slaughter the town and then disappear. In the attic, the crew clash over whether to make a run for their lives or stay in the attic. Seven days later. <laughs> it's like the, hey, SpongeBob. Seven days yeah. later. Seven days later. <laughs> a woman named Kirsten danced. <laughs> <laughs> A woman named Kirsten is wandering the streets, bloodied and calling for help. Evan can see that she is being used as bait to draw people out from hiding. Kirsten's failure causes the vampires to surround her, but Evan still attempts a rescue. He is too late to save her. Evan discovers a wounded John Reese underneath the house. When he pulls him from under the house, he finds that John has begun to transition into a vampire, living somewhere between his human self and a full cocksucker. Oh. <laughs> I mean, blood sucker. He attacks Evan, who is able to decapitate him with an axe. Ooh. Oh my God. There are so many decapitations in this movie. There really is. <laughs> this should be called 30 decapitations a night. <laughs> 30 heads are rolling in the snow. <laughs> this buildup sort of reminds me of Dawn of the Dead, which came out three years prior to this. Yeah. But it reminds me of that, like trapped in a mall with yeah. a bunch of nameless characters who we don't care about. Yeah. But we're excited to see them die. It also reminds me of that scene in The Birds where this happens, where they all end up in the diner. Right. And, you know, they're talking about the birds and somebody, I think Melanie gets slapped or something. Uh, you know, it's like very much that where it's like our small town characters all wind up in the you know in the spot where they all would usually congregate on a normal day (laughs) and now it's their shelter gosh can you imagine living in a town so small that the only place to congregate is the diner oh jesus christ yeah it actually could be kind of fun (laughs) where everybody knows your name oh i love that okay as long as i walk in they have my order ready that's all i care about (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Moons over my hammy. Thank you. <laughs> Danny Houston. I oh. love him. I think he he's so good. He's fantastic. And he plays a villain in pretty much everything. Everything. And he's great at it. Yes. I was watching him talk about this movie behind the scenes. And because his face wasn't menacing, I almost didn't recognize him. Yeah, I know. He didn't have those horrible shark eyes but he's he's like the the bad guy he's the axe man the The axe man in american horror story coven yes and i love him in that no but danny houston is a perfect leader for this pack totally scary menacing and um in college i had a uh we we did this program where we flew to new york 
we have all these like people that worked with us for you know on musical theater or whatever and one of our main teachers was kind of an asshole and i did not like him and i would show pi- <laughs> i would show everybody pictures of danny houston in this movie and say that he looked like our teacher <laughs> I was like, this in this is what movie, he looks like, right? Oh my god! Yes, <laughs> and people are like, oh my god, yeah, he does. So <laughs> that's how petty I was. Yeah, I was like, look, it looks like this monster. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I my favorite Danny Houston Marlowe moment in this is actually in this section, and it's when he's talking to Kirsten. She goes, God, and he's like, Oh yeah, God, no God, <laughs> no. <laughs> no God, and she's like. Okay. Well, <laughs> I love he like looks at the sky too, and he's like, "God, no God, <laughs> no God." <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Patricia Reggiani. I was thinking that. I was, <laughs> no father, no son, no house of Gucci. No God, only Gucci. <laughs> <laughs> That's where he bought this fabulous coat that he's wearing. <laughs> yeah, you see this? This Gucci. Okay, so, so he leads this these pack of vamps on what seems to be probably the bloodiest of bloodbaths in any movie I've seen. Like, this is oh, yeah. crazy. And the overhead shot, beautiful. Because we get these the contrast, yeah. the black with the white snow, and then the red, the blood, red blood, the splotches Ooh, of red yes. blood everywhere. People are running. It's like a zombie apocalypse, but with vampires. Yeah. And I don't know yeah. what it is. I guess it's because they are vampires and because it's snowing and things that it feels more intense than a zombie apocalypse where the zombies are running wild yeah. from people because there's no flames and fire and explosions. It's literally just ripping flesh and blood splatters and everything. Right. Exactly. And, you know, I think what makes it different and interesting is that, you know, most vampires in movies, they sort of operate in the shadows, right? And then they kind of jump out and get you at the last second. You know, and this is like, these vampires have the full floor at this point. They're like, do you know what? The sun ain't coming out. What's the point of us hiding in the shadows now? Like, this is what would happen if the vampires could just run free and just kill everybody. And with, you know, they're like, these people are isolated. Who are they going to run to? Who are they going to call? Literally nobody. N- why, why, why hide? They're going to be the ones hiding for once. Because most vampire movies, the vampires are the ones hiding in the shadows. Right. You know, so I think, so I think it's a fun contrast to to the rest of the genre and I think it makes it really stand out and yeah it does feel more along the lines of a zombie apocalypse the only thing is is that these vampires are much smarter than zombies are yes which makes it makes them way more threatening yeah and even though they are they kind of you know lean more towards like savagery you know and just how they are I do think that like they are very smart just like how they can put together a plan like having Miss Kirsten be the bait you know to draw out people because you know so they're they're calculated they're smart they work as a group they they have their strategy their tactics like these ain't some your average dumb vampires like these ones are uh, they're scary and they're, st- they're tactical yes and we really get a good example of their strength when they flip over the car, which reminded me of 
Jurassic Park. Park. Yes! I knew you were going to say that. Yes! It totally did because it's very exciting and it takes a while for it to like fully happen. So first they notice that their car has been stopped and then we get to see the, the top, the back lifting up and we see that they're you know, all hands on deck trying to flip this thing over. Yeah. Then we get a good amount of time with them, like freaking out, realizing that they're about yeah. to flip over. And then they finally flip over and I'm like, Jurassic Park. Except yes. it's not T-Rex. It's just a superhuman pack of vampires. Seriously. But yeah, so that that's vampire rule number, I don't know, what we're on six, I guess. They're so, they're, they have super strength. They're so strong. And, you know, I mean... That was a big ass car. I don't know even if like that many humans could flip over a car that size, could they? On average, no. <laughs> On average, no, I don't think so. No, yeah, and, and I love that scene. I think it's so good, so suspenseful, and they definitely foil their plan to like you know to get weapons and things to, uh, to you know retaliate. Yeah. And so these vampires aren't, aren't going to let these humans have the upper hand. No. And they're always watching and they're always out there and ready. And then we get the rescue by Bo who just slams into these things with the snow plow and I was like yes this is awesome because now we're getting um, we're getting the people from the small town using the things from a small you know industrial little town like they like they live in they're using their tools to fight back so i was like yes bring out the snow plows bring out the the things like that to to you know fight off these foes that is a cool idea because at this point we're seeing like a town in chaos and obviously being in a town this small there probably are a lot of connections and i guess you know eben has gone out of his way to make Bo feel like he is part of the community by giving him tickets. Yeah. Um. So you know, <laughs> it all worked in the end. Yeah. He's like that I'm, shitty I'm plan to make him feel included. It worked. It paid off. Kirsten. So we already kind of talked about her being used as bait. Like they're really smart for doing yeah. this, and I, I believed it. Like I was like, I would not be walking in the middle of the street screaming. But obviously, yeah. they're using her as bait. So I was like, this is. Horrible because when they then confront her as like God no God, and yeah, he just lets the vampires have at her because it didn't work. Oh, they're like scratching her first. They're like playing with her food. They're all wow. They're just like adding insult to injury. They're like, how painful can we make this death for you, Kirsten? You failed us. Yeah, is that you one of your rules any- on your sheet that they like torture? I mean, shit, I, I'll add it because they do. They like to make the, I mean, there's that scene, has it even happened yet? I think it might have, um, where Marlo and Iris kill um, that couple in the house and he like sl- like stabs him with the fire poker. Like, oh, that yes. shit is like, that shit is brutal. I think that does happen during this. Yeah, uh, chaos, the town bloodbath. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's they are ruthless. Like I said, like they this is like Halloween kills, like violent. <laughs> yeah, this may be even giving them a run for their money. But yeah, it's true. There's a it's, lot of it's violence. Brutal. In this movie. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, that that fire poker scene. Yeah, they like to torture. They don't like to just eat you. They want to make it fucking painful for you. <laughs> yeah. And I think the one who suffers the biggest torture in this is Mr. John Reese. He not only had oh. all of his dogs slaughtered, 
He also had to see his wife die. He broke his leg. And now he's turning into a vampire. Talk about a bad day. This scene is really well done, I think. You know, he gets like caught up in, in the in the swing, you know, chains or whatever. And then just that scene of like Eben going full crazy and just whacking his head off with uh. that axe. And it's like, oh, and you know, that's somebody that he knew that was his, his buddy, you know, I guess. And then that scene of him, his like lifeless body, just like hanging in the chains of the swing. It was like beautiful Gothic imagery. Yes. Yes, exactly. It was like, this is very beautiful to look at, but also very disturbing (laughs) and and very horrible. (laughs) Yeah. This movie does that. It, It makes these really cool, beautiful shots. But it's so macabre what's happening that yeah. you almost feel bad for thinking that it's beautiful. But yeah, the colors are just really beautifully contrasted. Yes, it's a pretty film. Let's explore more of the beauty of this very beautiful film. Eben is able to return to the attic. As days go by, the seemingly senile Isaac attempts to flee the attic. Stella attempts to stop him as he would call attention to their location, but she is knocked out by Wilson, who goes after his father. The vampire Archibald enters the house, and Wilson is attacked and dragged away outside. Eben and Stella reflect on their relationship, wishing they had fought a little harder. A blizzard hits, and the crew takes the opportunity to leave the attic and make their way to the grocery. By the way, I think 14 days have gone by now. I think that's when this happens. <laughs> yeah. 14 days. I felt like they kind of just sort of threw those days, title yeah. cards in. They're like, 14 days later, I'm like, this is like an hour later. (laughs) I know. Yeah. While scouring for supplies, they come across a young girl feeding on the store clerk. She attacks Carter, but then is pinned to the wall by Stella and Bo, allowing Jake to chop her to bits. They then hunker down in the store. Stella and Jake remind Eben that Grandma Helen had her own cannabis grow in her house, in which she used a UV light. Jake volunteers to go get it, but Eben overrules him, running into the street to call attention of the vampires, allowing the crew to quietly head towards the utilidor. However, they are attacked, and the vampires kill Doug. When the vampires attack Eben in the house, he's able to severely burn Marlo's right-hand woman, Iris, with a UV light and escape. Marlo mercifully ends Iris's life. Bo then intervenes, crashing through the vampires with a chainsaw tractor, running over and sawing in half many of them. As he draws most of them toward the diner, Bo blows up the diner while he's still in it. He escapes the diner, but is found by Marlo, who stomps on his head. Eben makes it to the police station where the crew have hid. Carter confesses that in his fight with the little girl vampire, he was infected and is now transitioning. As he doesn't want to live forever with the grief of losing his family to a drunk driver, he convinces Eben to kill him before he fully turns. Oh. Okay, so now this is they're like in the attic, right? And now we're having these like jumps in time. And I'm like, I guess we don't need to see exactly how they're surviving without food or water or anything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like literally. To me, this is all happening in the same night. Maybe to the next morning. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I don't really appreciate the seven days, 14 days. Because I'm like, this doesn't really make sense with how everything's playing out. The, ti- right. the jumps or, in time. Or, or the lack of um, clarity on their, their survival. actual survival. You know, I think they're very... I mean, I guess they're in a house. 
I'm, I can assume that maybe there's food in the house and that's how, but I do, I mean, obviously they are getting desperate and they do have to flee to that grocery store. But so maybe they had like seven or 14 days worth of food in there. I know they're using the bathroom, but not flushing it. They just don't look to me. They don't look, I don't know, haggard enough. No, especially Melissa George. Yeah. Yeah, she looks beautiful, like, the whole time. She has not a hair out of place. No one's beard is growing. Uh, it's just not working. I get, like, hangry after, like, a few hours. Like, <laughs> they, just, they seem very composed for people who have been in an attic for 14 days. I think you might be more like a senile Isaac. And just like, I'm out of here. <laughs> if I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die. He's like, I'm walking 80 miles to the next town. He's like, get your mother, we're leaving. Like, Stella, try, like, she tries her best, and then, you know... Then she gets a fucking knocked the hell out by Wilson. I know. I like, Honestly, I think if I saw the Cena old man walk in, I'd be like, sorry. Like, bye. this is survival of the fittest. Guess, All he's going to do is right. slow us down. But I mean, I know. I was like, is he worth saving? But that's also kind of fucked up. But also, the biggest concern is that what it's not whether he lives or dies. It's whether he calls attention to the house. Right. You know, so the rest of them die. I would have just pulled the ladder stairs back up and been like, oh, well. Bye. <laughs> nice knowing you, Isaac. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give your wife a kiss for me. <laughs> I, you know what? That's not true. I probably wouldn't be like that, but I probably would wake up Wilson. And I'd be like, yeah. your dad just left. Yeah. But if you go down there, I'm going to shut the door. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You either go or you, or you either stay or you go. Yeah. You got two options. Right. But. I'm you just know, you, you know. ain't giving up my hiding spot. <laughs> I'm not trying to be like Kirsten over there looking like a fucking piece of Swiss cheese. <laughs> right. And they almost get caught by Archibald, who probably has had the biggest yeah. feast out of all the vampires. Seriously, he he's like, I'm eating good this month. He Yeah, he's definitely eaten the most people so far. He's definitely the biggest threat. Marlo is the leader. Iris, she's scary. But I think Archibald is the, he's the biggest, he's the muscle, I feel like. I definitely feel like if Marlo were to like die before the rest of them, Archibald would definitely be the leader of the pack. Yeah, exactly. And then Iris would probably just cling to the, to the nearest leader. Yeah. She seems like that type. She does. She's a groupie for sure. What do you think of this like Eben and Stella story? I don't like it. I, I thought it could have been just fine with him being the chief of police or whatever he is, the sheriff, and her yeah. being the fire marshal. I don't think that they needed to be romantically linked before, now, or ever. Yeah. And I, it, it just seems so unimportant in this story. It does. And it starts really when you said, like, she kind of uses manipulation with, like, communication, where he's like, you, yeah. you want to ride for me, but we, you never even talked about leaving me. She goes, we can talk on the way there. And, you know, it's kind of like yeah. a throwaway thing. And also, she gets turned on when Evan handles the stranger and, like, pins him down yeah. in the diner. She's like, ooh, this is fucking hot. But yeah. <laughs> it's like... Their relationship really means nothing to anybody but the supporting characters because they're like, I know. Are you sure you guys want to break up? And they're like, yeah. And then she's like, I should have fought harder. It's like, what's going yeah. on? <laughs> it's. It, I'm telling you, the script, the people who wrote the script, they were like, okay, we need to write 
something in the script. What do we write? Uh, we have to give somebody something to talk about. Yeah, what are they going to say? Make them a boyfriend and girlfriend. Make, or, 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 you know, they're married. Ooh, they no, they're married. Oh, no, 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 they're divorced. They're estranged. Ooh, that's so good. That's so good. Oh, my God. Yes. She's stranded. Conflict. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. And then through this, through their shared trauma, they'll realize that they have loved each other all along. Which is a really positive message to send. And they kind of (laughs) give these quick little tidbits of storyline to the character, to a little bit of the characters before they die. Like Billy, Billy gets some kind of like backstory, and then the next one gets some kind of backstory about his drunk driver, his family dying by at the hands of a drunk driver. But they don't really mean anything because I forgot. I didn't even realize this man was with them. I'm like, why now? I I care about him because. He gave a little bit of backstory before he died. No, I don't know. I do think that it's really, I th- I do actually kind of like that moment. I don't think it adds, it, I don't know if it's necessary, but I thought it was very, very well done. I thought he acted it very well. We did oh, that no, his acting his was family. great, but it's like, what a waste. I was like, oh, <laughs> I know. It's like, wait, when did this happen? <laughs> like, uh, he's like, I've been living with this trauma for years because my, my family was killed by a drunk driver. And I was like, I want to be with them so badly dead. And uh, now I don't want to live forever. But I do think that was like kind of a, I don't know. I do think it, it was nice. Not necessary, but it was nice. I was like, it okay, wasn't necessary, that gives that but... one random character yeah. a little bit of depth. But yes. then I do think it's a good way to kind of equate what happens with Marlo a lot, where he we've seen him mercy kill two people now. He kills um, the stranger and he kills Iris, you know, in a mercy killing to put them out of their misery. And Eben now is kind of doing the same thing with his crew. You know? Oh, good point. Good point. You know what I'm saying? I was sort of like, I don't know, like equating them with each other, like the leader of the pack, the leader of the pack that, you know, their job is to, uh, you know, dish out the, you know, make sure that their crew is not suffering. Um, you know, even though, you know, despite the circumstances that each of them are there. Yeah, um, but I thought that was a really interesting way to kind of equate the leaders of these two packs is that they are responsible for easing the pain of these of these people who want to die and try to help their squad survive. Yeah, that's yeah. a really good point. <laughs> um, okay, another little piece. Even though this scene is really cool, I do feel that this character is a little out of place, and I'm talking about the little girl who apparently during <laughs> the filming was this was like the favorite scene of the cast and the crew as that this little girl feasting on this young guy that I guess was the store clerk at some point. And yeah. she's like, I'm done playing with you. Do you want to play with me now? Or whatever. I'm like, yeah, I was what? Like, Shut up, you little brat. That's because I think when we see John Reese transforming into a vampire, we sort of, I mean, maybe he was talking like this before, but it almost seems like his speech is affected by his transformation because he's not speaking Mm. in complete sentences. He's like, wife, or like wife, (laughs) what's her name, Allie? Yeah, it's almost like his like intelligence gets like, yeah, yeah. He's like, his ability to articulate changes. Yeah, he's becoming like, yeah, yeah, he, I don't know. And but so, like, she this girl's, like, unaffected. And clearly she's been a vampire yeah. for a while because she's not from this town. No one recognizes her. She's just some random girl that was obviously on her way to, like, a birthday party one summer. And so, like, 
It's like an she, Easter egg hunt. <laughs> yeah, an Easter egg hunt on a <laughs> warm spring day. But she's obviously <laughs> out of place physically, which it isn't a problem because we've already established that all these vampires are dressed differently. So you can kind of tell yeah, that they've like, gone around and sort of built like a Like they're army. going to a work potluck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they're all there together. Maybe this is somebody's daughter. Yeah. They're um, all- happy hour after work um, but her ability sorry. to speak so clearly and so intellectually and the fact that she moves like a grown woman it's like it's sort of like out of place like I'm like okay yeah, I know. this is weird also I don't like that line that she says like do you want to play with me now or whatever she says I know I don't like it me either it sounds like she should she should like why is she making like stupid little girl puns like I'm surprised she wasn't like you're in a timeout now or something yeah. stupid like that, yeah you know? <laughs> yeah you know tag you're it <laughs> so freeze like <laughs> freeze <laughs> I yeah but the best part of this little girl scene is when she's decapitated like everybody else Oh, I know. I was like, wow, like, they really the killed this little girl in front of all of us audience members. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, they did. And that 15-year-old boy, uh, yeah, chopped her fucking head off. <laughs> I do have to say, though, she's quite one of the vicious, more vicious vampires. Like, she's right up there I with know. Archibald. Like, she is going for it. She gets maced. And... <laughs> yeah, she does. I <laughs> That's a really funny part when she gets maced. She's like, ah! <laughs> yeah. I'm like, is this holy water? What did he bring her with? Yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. It's really funny. I thought it was hilarious. And then they pin her to the wall and she's like, ah! And then chop. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like, yeah, there's just, it's like an exorcist or something. Tag your it. Oh. <laughs> Tag your it. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh my God. All right. Well, I mean, we're all—they're almost to um, to the utility. What is it called? Wait. The the ubiquitator. The, <laughs> the, the liquidation the, sale. <laughs> 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 no way. The little girl. I hope this wasn't going to be a line, but in the behind-the-scenes feature that I was watching. They show this little girl because, again, she was the prize joy of this film. And she turns to the camera and she goes, I'm going to go to Disneyland. I'm like, please tell me that was not in the script. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Honestly, I wouldn't have been shocked. It's not any worse than what she actually says. So. Yeah. She's like, want to play? <laughs> <laughs> want to play? <laughs> um, okay, wait. You did mention Iris dying and Marlo having to give her oh, the mercy yeah. oh, killing. Yeah. But yeah, oh, yeah, she totally gets charred by this UV light. Yeah, this is a win for the stoners out there. Look at that. Your yeah. UV light to grow your little your little grow <laughs> can save yeah, you. Yeah, all your hydroponic lights. <laughs> yes. will totally come into use when the vampire army takes over your town <laughs> <laughs> exactly I know but yeah she gets barbecued by this thing and it is yeah it's awesome this is sort like of that. but it's all I wish it I wish it kind of I wish that came back though yeah or he would have been able to use I, it on more than just Iris because to me this yeah. is just like the little girl scene where it's just like we're gonna give this one vampire a really cool moment and because they really set it up like yeah. that, she's like, instead of them like swarming this house, she's like, "Can I go? Can I go? Can I go?" And Marla's like, "Sure." 
And so she runs yeah. in and is immediately charred. And the way that she flies back, <laughs> it looked like the Bride of Chucky. <laughs> when the dolls fly, yes. <laughs> when the RV flips. Um, yes. Yeah, I don't know. I was like, I don't know. I'm not totally sold on this, but I do think it's a really cool um, moment, especially for Iris, because we sort of established her as kind of one of the main vampires. Yeah. And so um, it's nice to see her really get what she deserves. Yeah, give, yeah, definitely. I But like, a, yeah, for sure. I like the moment. I just wish that a UV thing came into play later or that they use it more i get it because they cut off the power and after as soon as it happens and i know it was just sort of like a distraction technique to get them a little closer to the utilidor and at least get them to the police station but i'm like what 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 else can we do with that there's a lot of other generators we can't use this uv light to help us anymore yeah you can't take it with you it doesn't look heavy it just came and went (laughs) i know come on i guess it just came and went um (laughs) So then Bo gets his shining knight in armor moment. Oh, yeah. When he plows through a lot of them. And I have to say, again... I fucking love this scene. This, this is probably great. was my favorite. This is great. This is, was a good way to do it. Uh, I feel like I like this these kills the best out of these individual ones. I don't really care oh, yeah. for the little girl scene or the Iris scene. And I think a lot of people would disagree with me, but I really love this group slaughter. Like, oh, yeah. I think it is this great. This group attack. And with like, because he's on that tractor with the chainsaws on it. I love that one where that one vampire gets knocked off the front and lands onto the chainsaw and just gets just just like, you know, turkey meated in half. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like Like, jigsawed through. Like it took a while for it to get all the way through him. And you can see almost like every shred of flesh, like sort of ripping apart. The detail in these quick effects is great. And it also adds to the... Realist, real, the realism, the reality of it all. <laughs> it makes it look realistic, is what I guess what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, for sure. It literally looked like I watched somebody land on a chainsaw and get fucking bu- buzzed in half. And there are heads being awesome. blown off left and right. I mean, yeah. it is it. This this looks fantastic, and I think I'm yeah. so enchanted by the special effects that I'm just totally drawn in to this bow saving the day i think he does a great job but again i don't know, I know what it is with this flying thing but he too when he blows up the diner he flies back <laughs> like a doll it looks like that's so raven <laughs> <laughs> i love when that it's just a doll it's just that a doll she stands up yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's how it was with um <laughs> with this scene because he, he goes and it explodes and we see his body upside down flying backwards this big bush mock on his head of hair and then or like wow he's done for but then he's like crawling away on the street like yeah, totally limber like, not stiff like he was in the explosion not even burnt I was like I was yeah. I was I was like honestly shocked that he was alive. I was like, oh my god, wait, that whole building just blew up. <laughs> blew up. He looked like he was on and fire like, and his hair wasn't yeah. singed. He had like a little bit of like black smears like on his face. Oh yeah. From the ash, but other than that Ooh. I, I mean But his head getting knocked in by Marlo's boot. Oh my god. Uh see the, yeah, I'm telling you, Halloween kills took an took a page out of this one or at least halloween, halloween 2018 2018 yeah <laughs> uh, totally and rob zombie pill i mean 
page yeah. out of this book. Yeah, it, this <laughs> looked great. There's and it's there's not something fast. horrible about your head being stomped in. Yes, there's something horrible about that. <laughs> yeah, there's something about your skull just like popping like a popping like a fucking grape it is yeah (laughs) like a grape in a welch's backyard (laughs) (laughs) no yeah it's it's i I don't know it's it's kind of tragic especially because this one isn't fast like the halloween movies this one's like no kind of slow sort of like um scream if you will (laughs) oh yeah the garage yeah this is totally that moment he should have said oh and you just got the crunching and yeah. <laughs> yeah, crunching, just the crunching. The crunching. Like, oof, it's rough. I mean, I but, hit my I head mean, and I can't... I'm like, ow! So Yeah, I'm like, ow, I can't imagine a boot on my head just <laughs> crushing <laughs> crushing out my, my brain so they come out of my ears. It's so, not even like but, a utility boot either or a hiking boot. It's like a sleek, yeah. um, refined... Yeah warlock boo like it's <laughs> <laughs> it's not anything heavy duty so yeah, yeah. that took a lot of power took <laughs> a lot of power can you imagine getting crushed by a loafer <laughs> oh my <laughs> i wish it was a pump i wish he had like really beautiful pumps on and just red <laughs> bottoms <laughs> he re- he pulls his coat away to reveal the, uh, <laughs> christian louboutin <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's finish this off. Yeah. It is now day 27 when Evan and Stella notice a signal coming from Billy's house. They run to his aid only to find that a distraught Billy has killed his wife and kids to spare them from suffering at the hands of the vampires, but couldn't finish himself off as the gun jammed. The three of them return to the police station only to find it empty. Assuming the crew have made their way to the Utilidor, they attempt to secretly move across town. While hiding under a house, they see a young, bloodied girl named Gail walking down the street alone. Miss <laughs> Gail. Gail Weathers. Yeah, Gail Weathers, author of the Woodsboro Murders. Stella attempts to save her, but is caught by a vampire, causing them to flee. Evan and Billy split up, Evan heading to the Utilidor. Evan arrives and is surprised to learn from the rest of the crew that Stella and Gail haven't shown up. Meanwhile, Marlo tells the other vampires that they must leave no evidence of their invasion behind in order to preserve modern humanity's belief that vampires are the stuff of bad dreams and nothing more. (laughs) All right, we'll talk about it. Um, (laughs) Yeah, is this necessary? I don't know. Billy arrives at the Utilidor and begins to call out for the rest of the crew. This causes Archibald to attack Billy and for Evan and the gang to attempt a rescue. After Archibald easily fends off the humans, Billy pushes him into the Muffin Monster, losing his own arm in the process. Billy begins to transition into a vampire. A vampire. Father, son, house of vampire. Transition into a vampire. You know when they spell it with a Y? Vampire. Yeah, vampire. Billy begins to transition into a vampire, leading Evan to decapitate his friend. The sun is now due to rise in a few hours. Because three days have passed now? Um, (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) three more days? God. Three more days have passed somehow? How big is this town? Okay. (laughs) And they're surviving off of a bottle of vodka? (laughs) (laughs) And some Oreos? Jesus. Yeah. The vampires decide to incinerate the town to cover their tracks, unleashing popla- pop- popcorn. <laughs> Killer popcorn. Popcorn can drop it. 
<laughs> the, the killer clowns have arrived, so we have some killer popcorn. <laughs> the vampires decide to incinerate the town to cover their tracks, unleashing pipeline oil all over town and setting it ablaze. Stella radios to Eben that she and the young girl are hiding under an abandoned truck, the flames rapidly approaching them. Realizing he cannot beat the vampires as a human, Eben injects himself with Billy's infected blood so he can fight them as a vampire. Now in the middle of transitioning and gaining a new strength, Eben and Marlo fight a vicious battle. Eben lands the final blow, punching a hole through Marlo's skull. Now leaderless, the other vampires disappear. Stella takes Eben to watch the dawn. She holds him in her arms as he is incinerated. The end. Oh, romantic. Oh, yes, a romantic vampire film. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, okay. So, oh, the whole month is gone now. <laughs> Somehow. And they are no different. They don't act any different. They're not hungrier. They're not dirtier. They're not. Their hair isn't even longer. Like nothing's happened. Yeah. So, oh, I know. I think, I think, I think, uh, Josh had a little bit of a, a little bit more facial hair. But I was like, a month's worth. So I'm happy to find out that Billy is still alive. And. Oh, yeah. But then you see why he's still alive. And I have questions. So. You mean to tell me that this man has been sitting in the same spot for 27 days after he shot and killed his family? At what point do you starve to death? I think you can survive for three days without... Wait. Three days without water, 30 days without food. Okay, so he should have been dead already. (laughs) I mean, maybe he, like, was really upset that he shot his family... Walked downstairs, made a sandwich, came back up, sat back down to grieve some more. Got back up to get a glass of water. (laughs) Did that every day for 27 days until he was found. (laughs) Until he finally mustered up enough strength to use a compact mirror to catch somebody's attention. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, you've been so removed from the situation. Like, where have you been? I literally was asking that throughout because he caught my eye right from the beginning. I was like, wow, this is a fine ass guy. And then all of a sudden I'm like, where'd he go? Oh, here he is. I know. I had to like go, I had to go back. I literally had to Google. I was like his character. I was like, did I see him? die and I didn't I missed it I literally thought I was going crazy I was like oh no I missed it yeah and I didn't no and apparently the vampires weren't looking good enough they were going house to house at some point but they totally skipped over Billy and Gail <laughs> yeah I know I thought she was bait again was she not bait there must they must have like a holding cell where they kept <laughs> <Yeah>. people <laughs> to like release them I thought she was bait. I don't know. Was she bait or was she actually just wandering around? I guess she was bait. Yeah, because that skinny looking one came out. The Marilyn Manson looking one. Oh, ew. Yeah. The one with the, like, Bob. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah. I don't like Bob. I don't. I don't know. This ending, like most great movies, is kind of rushed. 
And I feel Rushed. like this introduction of Gale is sort of like a, was just sort of like a haphazard sort of plot device that they used to separate Stella and Ebony yeah. and make the stakes higher. But I was like, is this supposed to be like, oh, look, this, she has like really lovely maternal instincts that she wants to save this child? Like, is that supposed to like go back to their relationship in some way? Because remember, she like makes one random comment where she's like, Still want something about having and, kids yeah. oh yeah something about having kids but it's like oh like are, are we aren't you glad we didn't have kids or I don't know something like that oh yeah because she goes can she you says, can you imagine like, is that what she says or does she say yeah no she said um, aren't you glad we didn't have kids and then she goes can you imagine it seems like that seems to be the reason why they broke up like he didn't want kids and she did that's stupid or maybe she didn't want kids and he did. I don't remember. But either way, it seems like this is like, oh, Stella, she has great maternal instincts. She wants to save the child. Whatever. Sure. Yeah. You know, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. But then so they split up and then she hangs out under a car for three days in the snow. And then all of a sudden we realize that there is no big master plan behind this vampire attack. They're not <laughs> in they're okay. Obviously, they've been going around increasing their army beyond the town limits of Barrow, Alaska. Yeah. We can we can get this we can gather this information just from seeing how some of the characters are dressed amongst the vampires and right. all of that. Even though I do feel like Marlowe is like don't make any more pe- any more of us. He's like, just right. kill them. So I'm like, why now? So don't make any more vampires and actually destroy all evidence that we were ever here because we spent centuries trying to make them believe that we are stuff of bad dreams. Keep it that way. Like, what? Why? So what was your purpose? I, I guess if they wanted to come back next year and do it all again, like... Pfft. They can't let people know that they're coming. <laughs> I don't know. True. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I mean, I, it seems like they are. They do. Like, is it just for feeding? Like, is that their motive? Is it to eat, or is it to cause destruction? Because maybe I mean, I don't this know. is sort of say. like when bears eat so that they can go into hibernation, so they like overeat. Mm. Maybe it's that. Oh, that's a good point. That sounds that sounds po- like plausible to me. And I know there are like s- sequels to this. Oh yeah, there's like a pre- I think it's like prequels and sequels and squeakquels. So I'm sure that it explains who this group of vampires is, where they came from, how they travel. But other than the ship, we where have they no shop. idea. Where, yeah, where they get their haircut. Um, <laughs> we have no idea who these vampires are and why they're doing this. And so I know. once he says, let's burn the town down so that no one knows what we did, it's sort of to me like, so what was the purpose of this whole movie? That's why I'm thinking that it has to be because their base instinct is just to feed. And if they want to continue feeding without interference from humankind, then they need to, you know, not make their existence known, which is pretty common in, in the vampire lore. Um, it just seems like they operated so differently from how most vampires act that for them to go back to something so basic as like, let's not let humans know we exist. seems like, oh, well, these vampires I thought were so different are actually not that different and kind of, 
I don't know. It kind of makes their their story less exciting. Billy's death is brutal. His character feels like it's so different than what it started as. Yeah. First, he started off as like this cool guy, just like a friend. Then he becomes sort of like this dark character because he's killed his wife and kids to spare their lives. But somehow he ended up not being able to kill himself and surviving all 30 days. It's like kind of a mess. He's like, he like separates from Stella and Eben to like what seems like to like save himself or something and then winds up at the utilidor where he's like screaming for that for their help alerting the vampires that they're there he's like a sloppy mess i was like this isn't the the put together hot billy i expected he turns out to be a fucking nightmare that's true and then he like all the all the archibald shows up causes a bunch of shit because billy was being crazy but then he does like what redeem himself when he pushes it (laughs) pushes him into the muffin monster but it's like but then he can't even do that without cutting off his own arm (laughs) yeah i know i'm like you are a mess billy like goddamn wish i left you when eben chops his head off oh my god this is the decapitation because at this point we've seen like four or five but this one is the best one is particularly (laughs) graphic and you see it all He's still having facial expressions as his head is chopping past his shoulder. He's like, ow, that hurt. Hanging (laughs) on by a thread. And he's like screaming. It's like, oh my god. I loved it. So the big, uh, which I didn't even know if this was possible, but I guess it is. They unleashed the oil from this pipeline and light it on fire to set the town ablaze. And I'm, you know what this, you know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of that death trap of a car you used to drive that was leaking, (laughs) that was leaking gas. And you were like, my car has like a gas leak and we're driving all around the Bay Area with it. And I remember we were behind somebody on the freeway who flicked out their cigarette and we were screaming for our lives because we're like, ah! And you know where we were coming from? The movies, having just seen Scream 4. And we're like <laughs> on the freeway and somebody throws their cigarette out the window. And I thought that we were going to be the town of Barrow, Alaska. Oh, my God. You know, we, we oh, my gosh, we repeat the same bits all the time with each other. Because I remember us on New Year's once. Um, I think we were, you know, us being stupid. We we're like smoking a cigarette in the, in the back seat, And I think you threw it out the window and I was like, Oh my God, imagine the car behind us. It just goes, boom. And like, we like played out a whole bit of us doing that. Of like the car exploding behind us. We're so dumb. Why do we do these things? It's called the art of imagination. Yes. It is. We're so stupid. But I do specifically remember that in San Francisco throwing the cigarette out and pretending like the carbide is blew up. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> so, so stupid. So then we have this, uh, the big final confrontation where I, I don't know how they ju- he just came to the conclusion that he's going to inject himself with Billy's blood, that this will work, and um, he'll become a vampire and fight Marlo to the death and so yeah that's what happens it's like a it's like a rumble like no other vampires contribute it's just you know one on one Eben versus Marlo yeah 
and when when Evan <laughs> lands this final blow and punches a hole through Marla's skull, I thought Andre had turned the movie off and put on Mortal Kombat. <laughs> oh my god, I know. I was like, of all the like amazing effects that have happened in this movie and like <laughs> how realistic they've looked and everything, I was like, this is what happens. He punches him through the mouth, through his mouth hole, through the back of his head. I almost feel like Marla yeah. should have gotten Archibald's death. But yes, maybe absolutely. it is more satisfying that Archibald, having been in more of the action, gets that big death. But being the final, the final victory blow, I thought it should have been more than this. I'm just surprised that there were so many vampires left alive at the end. It should have just come. Some something should have happened where it just comes down to being Marlowe and Evan. But the fact that there's like 20 vampires still standing around watching all this, I'm like, really? And then they just leave. <laughs> I feel like they were like, you know, if this movie's a big hit. Maybe, you know, they can carry on the sequel. But yeah. and maybe they it do. Did, it, actually had, it did have a lot of success. Like, I mean, financially, this movie was made for like $30 million and it made like $75 million. Oh. So I think they made like a, a bit back. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, maybe that's why they have like all these like spinoff series and a few like straight to DVDs and stuff like that. But maybe the audience score on this, because, you know, with horror movies, I trust the audience score more than the critic score. But on this, it's 56%, yeah. which is not good. It, on Rotten Tomatoes, it's like a, the spilled popcorn icon. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's like not bad. I And that's how this movie is. I mean, a lot of redeeming qualities and also some like, <laughs> okay qualities you know this scene where she's like holding him and it's like really beautiful the sun's coming up and i'm like i would not be holding him i don't know what's gonna happen when the sun comes out yeah, what if he really what if he catches me on fire my hair yeah what if he blows <laughs> up in my arms like, yeah. <laughs> you imagine her she's all boom <laughs> <laughs> she flies like the like the doll again <laughs> it's just her torso <laughs> flying yes. through the flipping through the air <laughs> <laughs> and then it just black out <laughs> yeah that, that's it. That's the ending we deserved. For yeah. Sure. Well, it seems sort of lackluster to have, you know, he gives Marlo this big dramatic punch and then he blows up in the sunlight. And then, oh no, he doesn't blow up, but, you know, he burns yeah. away at the sunlight. But, yeah. and then it's like, it's like a light crisp. And for what? 25 of these motherfuckers still took off. Uh, I was so relieved that Lucy lived. Yeah. Denise, Lucy, <laughs> Stella, the characters that we really Jake. were rooting for. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't God know. They're it's, still alive to carry on the legacy. Even the drama of like uh, Eben sacrificing himself, it just seems sort of underwhelming yeah. with, how, with how it all ends. Yeah, I think this movie had a really, really strong you know, first, second act and the third act kind of falls off for It's me. sort of a throwaway. They're like um, 27 days later. Uh, yeah. The, uh, three hours before the sun rises. Like, yeah, okay, set, set the town on fire. All of a sudden there's oil everywhere. Punch him in the mouth! Gale. <laughs> Gale. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's almost like they were running out of time. They were like, we only have a couple of hours left of this darkness. Yeah. Let's get it going. And apparently Literally. these outdoor nighttime shoots took 33 days to film. And oh my God. they were up from their shifts were from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. And it is estimated that they went through 22,000 cups of coffee. Jesus Christ, that's crazy. Also, a lot of this stuff that they're ca- crawling through isn't snow, it's salt. Ew. That's probably really drying. Melissa George came out of there looking 50 years old. <laughs> <laughs> 
Josh Hartnett disappeared. And the were cast again. <laughs> yeah, neither was Josh. They all just shriveled up into little prunes. Salted yeah. prunes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, what are your final thoughts? Final thoughts. Um, I do enjoy this movie. I find it very entertaining. I think it's really really scary as far as vampire movie goes because you know we have we've been inundated with so many sexy romantic blah 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 vampire movies you know that this is like a vicious vampire movie and we don't get a lot of those to be honest right you know as much as you know they're such like you know icons in the horror genre they sort of stick to their more romantic sexy sort of versions of them so to see like vampires that are actually scary and a threat, um, strong and brutal. Um, I do really love that part of it. Um, I think this movie looks great. I think the visuals and the stunt work is, are amazing. The kills, the you know everything works so well together. Um, I think the story, little you know, it's not much story going on here, but I think the concept <laughs> is great. I do think the concept is great. I think the idea of an Alaskan town with no sun for 30 days, which is, you know, opportune time for a group of vampires to come in. I think that's brilliant. Um, but the script isn't really anything to write home about. And so I'm going to give this movie a three and a half out of five. Okay. Yeah, I would agree with a lot of what you said. The aesthetic of this movie is absolutely pleasing. I think that... Um, the idea of it is great. The vampires and the 30 days of night. The vampires are brutal and vicious, which I love. Like you said, the story and the characters are a little underdeveloped, but I do think that what little story we are given to these characters, the performances are pulled off greatly, especially by the supporting yeah. cast mostly. Like those yeah. little final farewells before they die are pretty good. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> but um, I think where this movie excels is its special effects. I think this movie yeah. looks fantastic. And just having those great special effects with the aesthetic, it's just a beautiful movie to watch. I could watch it on mute. It's the same movie. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, <laughs> essentially, I think also I would give it a three and a half out of five. Nice. Okay. That's respectable. The script just needed a little more development. Sure. There needed a little more story and a little bit more care when it came to the sort of realism of what's happening in the timeline had they put in the same effort into the script that they did those brilliant effects and styles and aesthetics and cinematography this would have been easily a four and a half to five out of five yeah totally 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 all right well we took a bite out of that one wait that we've used that one (laughs) so many times we sucked the hell out of this one Oh, <laughs> there we go. That's we, been uh, said about us a lot. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Through the years. <laughs> yes. Yeah, in our personal lives. Through the centuries <laughs> that we've been out alive. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. All right. So um, what do we got? We got Instagram. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at Fear the Talking Queers. Um, what else do we got going on? Um, we... Our, we Like we said, we totally changed our December lineup. So join us next week on Christmas Eve, where we will be Ooh. having a triple feature of Black Christmas 1974, 2006, and 2019. Yeah, so this is going to be a big project. So wish us luck. All the Christmas luck you can uh, send our way would be appreciated because it's going to be good. 
but it's gonna take a lot of work <laughs> it's gonna take a lot of work it might be a really long episode too <laughs> yeah so make sure you're watching all three movies too so you know what the hell we're talking about yeah because it gotta be worth it yes well until next time sweet screams a bitch yes merry christmas